Now, you've not just got the radios here, but you've got um, virtually the history of tobacco in Ireland, I would say, with all the cigarette uh, packets See, I, here. I always reckoned every good radio person should be able to have a good wash with sunlight soap, yeah. <laughs> shave with Max Smile blades, yeah. and a smoke afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> As you see here, we have uh, Players, Golf Lake, Chensitis, yeah. Woodbines. In fact, we have four Woodbines there. Oh, they're unusual. Yeah, with the poor man's cigarette. Uh, yeah. poor man's cigarette, you yeah. know. And I gather uh, you normally had them in packets of five, ten or twenties. Yeah. But this is an unusual packet of four. Yeah, I've never seen four before, yeah. No, I gather that, uh, that the government put taxes on the cigarettes. Yeah. And... Wills has thought up an idea, rather than increasing the price of the packet of five, to reduce them to four and charge the same price. Mm. So that's the way they've done away with it. So most school boys would have a, a, a packet and a, and a, and a, a match. Yeah. I see the gold flake here now. Those were very strong cigarettes now, from what I remember. Well, I, I, I gather the woodbines were stronger. Yeah. I, I, oh, they, yeah? Yes, I smoked yeah. them all at one stage. Yeah, yeah. In my youth, of course, like most yeah. people. And capstan full strength. They, capstan they were strong, full strength. They? they were strong, yeah. all right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think woodbine was supposed to be the daddy of them all, you know. Yeah, yeah. They were supposed to be the strongest. Yeah. Well, you have something in there. In fact, I had I loaned that to the museum in Croke Park. Yeah. You see the footballer and hurdler here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tipperary hurdler and the Dublin footballer. Yeah. They were used by players to advertise their cigarettes. Yeah. On all grounds, players please. Yeah. Oh, and of course, it's a double meaning: the players, oh, the football players, and absolutely yeah. players' cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the old roll up there. Oh, old Holborn. That's yes, still that's just still that's on the go. That's I think a isn't machine. It? That's yeah. a little machine for rolling. Oh, yeah. And that's a little, uh, an early wind-up shaver there. Yeah. You wound it up, there's a key on the back. Oh, a, clock, a clockwork shaver. And the clockwork shaver, where you wound up. Yeah. Yes. And, and here you've got the, the uh, cigarette... Uh, um, Radio celebrities. The, the, uh, the, the cigarette cards. Yes. The little... Um, Un unfortunately, the place is not large enough to display everything. Yeah. So a lot of these things are in confined spaces. Yeah, yeah. You have a little... Uh, a little a little document, a document there of the Sligo and Northern... Oh, the Sligo, Leitrim and Northern Railway, Counties yeah. Railway Company. And would be Countess Markovic's family that owned that. Oh, the Gore Boots, yeah. The Gore Boots, if yeah. you can see it written on it there. Yeah, yeah. You know, they actually had that share. Yeah. This is to certify that on the date hereof, Sir Jocelyn Augustus Richard Gore Booth, Baronet of Lissadell, Sligo, is the registered proprietor of £1,000 of this stock, dated the 31st day of October, 1903. And uh, signed on the bottom. Not a bad bit of money to have at that time. It is not. <laughs> it's a big whack of money to have in 1903. You have this Cuba Submarine Telecompany. Oh, yeah. Telegraph Company there as well. Oh, yeah. The Cuba Submarine Telegraph Company. I presume that they're referring to, to the wire under the oh, sea rather than submarines. Absolutely, stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we probably missed upstairs. Yeah. I have a case up there with all the cables. Oh, it? I saw that. Yeah, you saw all, yeah, the cable, yeah. yeah I saw yeah. the cable. You have world radio here and different things in this case. Yeah. And first day covers. Yeah. There was world radio, was a magazine there. Yeah. A couple of copies of it. What, what's this yoke here now? That was a Marconi viewer. 
yeah, as you can see there, yeah, uh, stamped on it. And I got that that was down on the station in Rosslair. Marconi had a station, a wireless station. What, what did it do? Did you look through it? And I think you just looked through it yeah. like a telescope or whatever. Oh, I see, yeah. You set it up. That's its original box and all yeah. that. Yeah, yes. Now we're moving into another part of the basement in the yeah. old Martello Tower in Hulse. Ever ready batteries. Yeah. This is when I come be first come interested in the in the in the tower in Hoth. Oh yeah. yeah. Went back about twenty or twenty five years ago. When I got a, a copy of the Dublin Penny Journal, yeah, and I realised that uh, there was a station up here in Holt. Well, how did you manage to uh, to get into this place? Who owned it? Or well, Fingal County Council owned it. Yeah, yeah, and they were kind enough to let me have it. Fantastic. Let me have it. You know? That's very good of them. Yes, it is, of course, absolutely, yeah. and I'm very grateful to them. Yeah, to give me a chance to to show my stuff. Yeah, that shows yeah. foresight and imagination. Well, I, ho I hope so. Yes. I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But this was the tower here when DeForest broadcast from here. Yeah. That was the aerial he used. Yeah. That's up over the tower, and that was in 1903. And that's from a copy of the Dublin Penny Journal. It tells you the story there about going across to Hollyhead and drinking whiskey and whatever on the cold nights on North Trenton. What are these cards you have up in the glass? Them are amateur radio cards. Every amateur radio man has his own call sign, and he has his card. Yeah. And they're from all around the world. But I've included, I've tried to include them from all around the world because obviously I couldn't get everything in there. But uh, as you'll see, there's quite a number of Irish ones. Irish Free State, Sairstad Aden. And you, you have, there's actually one there addressed to the Irish Radio Transmitter Society from Uruguay. But they're all, most of them people are so, dead now, you know. I see. So an amateur, an amateur uh, transmitter fellow would uh, post one of these to somebody when he, when he comes across when, it. When he made contact with him, when he made contact with him over the air. So this was a bit like the internet type of thing, but... Uh, uh, an old-fashioned uh, internet, yeah, you know, you yeah, have it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they've, they, any radio man would have a load of these cards, you know. Yeah, yeah. And obviously when he died, they'll pass on, they'll be thrown out or whatever. And it's just to commemorate them here, the radio, I mean, it, just a yeah, sample. Yeah. <coughs> I've, I've put them up in a yeah. little case, you know. Yeah. Yeah, various different people. P.T. Daly, that man there, yeah. Thomas Town Road. Yeah, yeah. I had a man in here one day and he knew him, he worked for him. Yeah, yeah. He was actually, he was manager for Hueys, who had a place on Bachelor's Walk. And he was a great amateur radio man. Mm-mm. So he actually worked with him and knew him. But as I say, like most of them, he's passed on. But it's just to commemorate them. But there was a lot of design in him, you know, if you look. There was a lot of design went into him as well at that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah. You have a more modern American one here, Little Hustler. Yeah. <laughs> in the, the 70s or the 80s, you know. Another one, UFO. Halfway yeah. house, you know. The they, they were miniature works of art. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Beautifully yeah. done. Beautifully done. Yeah. You go on here to the valves. Oh, yeah. They were the old radio valves, or they call them in America tubes. Yeah. What are these great big uh, fat round ones here? Transmitters. Oh, yeah? 
They would have been in a transmitter. Yeah. Yeah, they'd have been in a transmitter. You know. But again, a lot of work in them. A lot of work in them. I say, that's an early radio there as well now. Like a suitcase model. Or KB one, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Suitcase model. That was KB on the, on the Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Installed on the Queen Elizabeth. What, what's an inductance coil? You've got some boxes with it. It says inductance coil. Oh, that's all part of the radio makeup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the radio makeup, yeah. Coils inside of them. Same as the valves. Yeah. And there you have early days of advertising television. Oh, yeah. Television selection, Barker and Dobson's. What's oh, a sweet tin? <laughs> sweet tin. Mm. But advertising television. And you have an earlier one there advertising tobacco, wireless tobacco. Oh, yeah. Yes. Even you have a Thunderbirds radio there. Oh, yeah, from the, the television series. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Every, every different thing. Every different thing. Marconi and Mullards and Osram, they had all the valve people. And they still make these valves then? <laughs> yes, but there's, there's thousands of them made, uh, of course, that have never been used. And oh, I see. Stock, they're, they're, yeah. stock. But they, they, they still make them, yeah. They've kept them like... I'm to told they're back to using valve equipment again in America. Why is that? I don't know. There's more... Uh, the quality better, is... The quality is better, yeah. they tell me. Yeah. The quality is better. Well, the old radials certainly had a beautiful quality to the sound of them. Yes, yes. I suppose the wood had a lot to do with it. Yeah. A lot of people would only listen to a wooden radio, yeah. you know. Yeah. They, they think that the Bakelite wouldn't be the same. Yeah. There's a hot box, is it, from Cleary's? That's a hot box from Cleary's. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, she only died there less than 12 months ago, Mrs. Guiney, who was the formation of that oh, company. Oh, yeah, she was 105 <laughs> or something. She was, that's right. Yeah. Still signing checks. Yeah. But uh, that's a hat box from the, uh, the 40s. Yeah. And if you watch her hat there, as you see, you could post it any part of the world. Yeah. There's a, there's a place where you, you write in the address there or whatever, and the I dates see, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know, and your hat was protected. You have another one there from Macy's, Georgia Street. Where, in uh, New York? Yeah. No, no, Georgia Street here, Macy's. Well, there used to be a Macy's oh, here. Oh, there was, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Is it still there, is it? Is I don't it think so, I don't I, think so. I've not seen it, now. And I suppose Fleary's is now sold out as well, haven't Yeah. They? Somebody else is going to take over that. Yeah, the rare old times. Yes. That's uh, that's a, uh, an old amateur radio there. Yeah, it's like the sort of thing you see in uh, aeroplanes in the olden days. That's right, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, they've had them in the war. A lot of them yeah. in the war yeah. as well. Yeah. War models. Yeah. That's a valve tester there. Yes, yeah. that's for testing the valves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, tells you whether they're working or not. You have all sorts of different models here. Mostly the fifties down here. Yeah. I remember seeing the ones like this one here now. Yes, that's the German, yeah. Yeah. Yes, he had Telefunken and Blaupunkten. Yeah. Grundig. My aunt had one the same as this here now. Yes, they were actually made in Dundrum. Oh, were they, yeah? Yeah, Pi and Dundrum made that one. Yeah. Yeah. And this one as well here was made by the Irish Electrical Company. You see the harp on it? Yeah. That one over there was made by the Irish Electrical Company. That was the first radio in my collection. Yeah? My wife bought that yeah. before we were married yeah. in, in London yeah. in uh, 1959, 1959, 1960. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Little Bush, you know. Yeah. So I used to blame her for starting off the collection. Yeah. 
a sweet little thing at the time. That was Nelly Dinda the Valvera. Yeah. That's the Marconi lettering in which he written wrote to the Dublin paper here. Yeah. H.S. Doig Esquire, Esquire, editor of the Dublin Express and Mail, Parliament Street, Dublin. As uh, 31 Via Garibaldi, Giannicolo, Rome, June the 1st, 1919. Dear Sir, I am in receipt of your letter of March 26 and regret that owing to its having been mislaid, I did not reply to it before this. I remember very well the enterprise shown by the Dublin Express in availing itself for the first time of my system of wireless telegraphy to report the Kingstown regattas in 1898 and, as soon as arrangements shall have been made for the exchange of press wireless telephonic messages between Ireland and the United States and Canada, I will bear in mind the wish that you express that the Dublin Express shall be one of the first to avail of itself of this new method of communication. Yours faithfully. G. Marconi. Well, that's a historical letter. <laughs> yes. Did you mention the Tannoy? Because they were involved with uh, public address. That's right, absolutely right. Yeah. Very yeah. early example. Yeah, we'll have a look at it on our way out yeah. there. Right. There's car radios here and there. Oh, what's that? There's a couple of car radios there. Yeah. See them there? That's the old Pi car radio. Oh, yeah. Mm. And that's an echo one there. Yeah. It's just a, a part of the collection. How far back were the car? How, how long ago were they putting radios in cars? I'd say about 1950s or that. Yeah. I'd say about so not back before that. No, no, not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. But they could well do. They could well do. Now there's a, a big square loudspeaker here. Yes, a tannoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one may have come out of Croke Park. Yeah. When, the, when the, the knockdown crawl part, yeah. I think that one may have come out there. I got it cleaned up and done up there, you can see. I believe it's still working. I haven't connected it up, but the, the, the person I, yeah. I got it off tells me. Was Tannoy the name of the company? Because yes. Yes, yeah. I see yeah. it there, yeah. 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 Because they're all called Tannoys now. That's right. It's like, <laughs> it's like it's a, it's a system rather than a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a system, I think, rather than a manufacturer. Yeah. Tannoy of London. Tannoy of London. And you, of course, you have here the father of radio here in Ireland, in Yeabon. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the first time we've been looking at a picture of Gay now. Yeah, he yes, hasn't been talking yes. to us. Yes, he lives up the hill here, I guess, yeah. on the top of Hort. Yeah, you know? yeah. Has he visited here yet? No, he hasn't visited here yet, but I gather he's a busy man. Yeah. He had a, he had a wedding. Well, he can come up on his motorbike. He can, of course. He had a wedding in the family and, and, yeah. a, and a christening, I think, this year. Yeah. yeah. And, um, of course, it's a birthday celebrations and whatever. But he's in good company there with John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. Oh, yeah. All the gang, Barry Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah, that's an original uh, That's an original. That's, that's the American one. Yeah. That was the, the one that they that, that, that had in the cinemas in American. Very colourful one. Yeah. But for one stage I thought that might have been green clouds, but somebody told me it wasn't. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I suppose it's part of our history as well now, the quiet man. Yeah. Surely is. 
This is a more modern one here. My, oh, Betty my, Boop, yeah. my granddaughter bought me. Yeah. Is this a modern one? <laughs> this is Betty Boop radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's some things you have to include in the collection, yeah. you know. These are the retro things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. You'll have to send us through um, your times and the opening and, you know, you might give us... Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. 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 We'll do that upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, Kevin? It's something else. It's it's just it's like heaven for somebody like me now. This <laughs> I, I only got that radio there the other day. Guinness are doing it. It's for the Irish rugby team, you know. Oh, yeah. This one. It's oh yeah, it looks like out. a tin of Guinness, yeah. Guinness, that's right, they're they're giving it with a yeah. With some cans of Guinness. You have to buy yeah. them of course, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now what um are you open here all during the week or, or just certain times? During the winter time, up from October to May, I'm open just weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, from 11 to about half past three, four o'clock. In the summertime, I'm open seven days from May to October, from 11 to five. Yeah. And all are welcome. There's, a, there's an admission fee of five euros here. Yeah. Which I donate to charity at the end of the time. Yeah. Hall's Pictorial Weekly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's another thing I just wanted to show you here, how the world has changed. Yeah. And it's changed a lot further since. We have a wireless map here. Yeah. From 1916. And I had some Polish uh, youngsters in here one day and I was busy with somebody else and I said, for the moment, I said, have a look around at the maps, you'll find Poland on the maps. Yeah. So the girl said to me, of course, there was no Poland on this map. Yeah, I guess it because didn't exist then. Yeah. That was, no, it didn't exist. It yeah. was in 1916 and it was part yeah. of the Russian Empire. Yeah. You know, so I got educated in a couple yeah. of seconds. <laughs> But how much it has changed. It's there all right on the 1931 map. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's amazing how things have changed in that length of time. You had the station in Clifton there as well, down in Cromar at that stage. Yeah. The station in Clifton there. Then when all the wireless stations from around the world connected up there in strokes yeah. and dashes and whatever. I see Hawaii was quite important because it was midway in the Pacific. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, does it? I have a picture there of 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 uh, Napoleon, who the tower was built to keep out. Oh yeah. Yes, and of course he was banished away to Saint Helena Island too. Yeah. But he never managed to get as far as here. Now this this was built when eighteen hundred and something, wasn't it? It should be two hundred years old this year, I think, about eighteen oh five. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And of course, there's, they're dotted around the coast. Yeah. And there's very few of them in use, which is a pity. Yeah. Because there's a lot of use cans. People living in some of them, of course. Now, this, the part we're in now, is this where, where the soldiers would have lived? Like yes. They yeah. actually did, yeah. Yeah. And even in the Second World War here, you had the Gardaí up here. Yeah. They were there. Yeah. And uh, of course, the guns were on the roof. Yeah. In the early times, the guns were on the roof, and this was sort of a living quarters here. 
downstairs for holding equipment and whatever. But uh, the, there's three towers here in Holt. There's one out on the island, on Ireland's Eye. Yeah. There's this one here, which they refer to as Tower Hill in the village. And the other one is down in Sutton, where people live in. Mm. So the the one in Hutton, the Sutton is privately owned. You do you live locally? I live in Beaumont. Oh, Beaumont. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just about a twenty minute spin from yeah. here, so it's yeah. Yeah. convenient for me. It is, yeah. Yeah. Well, perhaps you'd be you'd be more than informative. Ash, I, you've I, given us a marathon, yeah. I do my best. You've given us a marathon. <laughs> I do my best. How do you? Like, this is all your own investment here. This is all your yes. own. So, so how would you, I mean, in the summer, for instance, you're spending a lot more time here. So how do you support yourself in that? Well, I'm, I'm retired. Right. I'm retired. I'm a pensioner. Yeah. And you're just happy to see how people come up and look at your collection. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, even if it's a one-off, if somebody rings me up and says they're in town or whatever, can you come to the tower? There's no problem, even in the winter Very time, good. you know, as long as I'm around. Yeah. I don't mind. It's my hobby, you know. Yeah. You said your wife's first radio gave you the, the buzz. What was it about that one? Well, I, my wife has passed on now. Mm. My wife died two years ago. So it's just the very fact that she bought it. She, she actually owned it. I didn't own a radio at that stage. And she lived with her sister in a flat in London, and she bought the radio, you see. Uh, normally where I was, we'd have rented out the radio. In them days, uh, you rented out the radio. You paid a shilling a week or two shillings a week or whatever. And it was like, like television was rented after, <coughs> you know. Uh, that time you rented your radio. So where I was, I think the landlord had rented out the radio. But they actually bought their one. So that was the first radio in the collection. We held on to that radio. When we got married in, there was a radio in our house or whatever, you know. And how did it move from one radio to hundreds? It's a very good question. It's a very good question. I used to say, she used to say to me, what are you going to do with all those radios? And I'd say, well, you brought the first one. <laughs> where, where did you keep them before you had this place? I had my house extended. I had the attic extended. Mm. So as I would uh, polish up a radio or whatever, I'd put it up into the attic. Yeah. And I kept the other ones in the garage. <clears throat> so I put them up into the attic. And hence it grew from. How did you get the idea of coming here? What, what, what did you realise that the place was going? Well, of course, uh, as I explained to you earlier, I knew the history of the place. Yeah. And I really wanted to go into a place where there was a history of radio hmm. or whatever. I could have gone in town or gone to anywhere else, but this was more isolated, but nevertheless they had a history of radio here, with Marconi being here and De Forest being here. I said it was the place too, if I could get it. Yeah. So I approached Fingal County Council. How long ago was this now? That's only about 18 months ago. Hmm. And I met a man there who has since died, unfortunately, Michael Galvin. And I talked to him about the idea and uh, he was impressed with it, so he said uh, they would find somebody that was uh, that knew about radio and whatever to come around and have a look at my collection. So he sent this chap around anyway, two of them came around and looked at the collection and he was duly impressed with it and went on for a few more months anyway and eventually got in last May, had an official opening here last May. and. Um, the rest is history, as they say. 
Well, it's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> Are you impressed with it? Very, very <laughs> impressed, yeah. I yeah. actually have only about a little over half my collection here. What? <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, I have, I have some more. Yeah. It's I very, have. very comprehensive. Yes, yeah. I, 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 I've tried to cover the, the hundred years of radio. You certainly have. You know, yeah, very, from very the beginning, good. even before radio, the Mars interpretation yeah, yeah, end of it, yeah. up until the present time. Yeah. And as you can see, up to the present time, there's some lovely sets. You know. Silent during police interviews. He said none of it. You know, yeah. and every year brings up its own design. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. think comes up with something new. So it's constantly evolving. Yes, it is, of course, absolutely. Mm. And I suppose that's the beautiful part mm. of collecting. Mm. It's never dull. What do you think of radio? Do you think it has any future? Oh, <laughs> people, people said that when television came out, that radio had no future. The great thing about radio is you can listen to it without looking at it. Mm. You know, you can, as you, as you see somebody walking along today on the beach or jogging along the beach and they have their earphones on. They had them on in the 20s at the beginning of the radio. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that nothing changes in that sense. Yeah. You know. I say to people coming up here, you see somebody jogging along the beach there, walking along the road, walking their dog or whatever. They have their earphones on, listening to the radio. Yeah. People were doing that in the 20s in their houses. You know. Mm. So I suppose, yes, but of course it's very hard to tell the future. Mm-hmm. When you look at the early telephones like that's here on the corner, you have a telephone there from the 1890s, you know, and uh, I tell children when they come in here there was an early mobile, but there aren't any part of the world now in seconds on the mobile or whatever. And where is that going to win? Mm. You know. where, where about are you from, Pat, yourself, originally? Mayo. Mayo, Mayo, yeah. Sorry, Mayo. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mayo, I was trying to yeah. I was trying to narrow you down there. Wait, they're trying to close me down. Cross Malina in Mayo. Yeah, near Cross Malina. Ranamach was the name of our village. We lived three miles outside the uh, nearest town. Mm. Ratnamach, it was known as the Fort of the Bees in English. And your surname is Hubert or Herbert? Herbert. Herbert. Yeah, Herbert, yeah. At Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. And the family, any of the family still down there? Oh, there are indeed. Oh, are they? And I was only down there... Fortnight ago, my brother was 70. All right. So I had a party for him down there. And my oh, sister is down there. Oh, very and good. I three brothers in England. Oh, very good. No, the family get together. Yeah. So um, you, you emigrated to England because you yes. didn't get the farm. Absolutely right. I wasn't going to hang around for it. It was too small. Yeah. <laughs> I had a broader vision. Of course, it never worked out. Where did you go to in England? Where did I go to? Or oh, London. Everyone wants to go to London, you know, yeah. when they're young. yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I went to London, I was in 54, and spent about six years there. Did you work on buildings? Yeah, things? absolutely. I worked in Vauxhall's car factory, worked in yeah. hotels. I worked in different, different jobs, different places. And moved down to Bristol, then down the West Country when I got married. I was working in Bristol, actually, when I got married. When did you come back to Ireland? Back to Ireland, about 73. Yeah. Did you find it had changed much? Oh. Well, what do you think of Ireland today? No, I think Ireland is a changed <laughs> place today. Yeah. I tell you, it's much more changed than it was in the 70s. Mm. When I came back in the 70s, it hadn't changed much. Mm. But I couldn't say that today. Everywhere has changed enormously, you know. Even if I don't go into town for a few months and I go in, I see big changes. 
Just, you know, that's someone's changed as well. You find the people the same now as I when know. you left? Pardon? Ah, no, no, no. It's a different way of life. A different way of life. People don't have time to talk now or whatever. You know, like we are now. Everybody is rushing. <laughs> they're rushing to get to work. They're rushing to get home. They're rushing to get out. You know. Yeah. So it you is. feel that modern society has changed people's, uh, let's say, their, their, the, the way they behave? like. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it has, of course. Oh, mm-hmm. James, you know. When we were growing up, we're living out in the country. Everybody you'd meet, you'd know them. Mm. You know? Yeah. For, for miles around you, because yeah. the, house, the houses were fairly isolated or spaced yeah. out. But of course, that's, everything has changed now, even there. Yeah. You know? Did you walk to school? Oh, I did a course. Actually, the, the school was built on our land. Oh, yeah? The school mm. was built on our land. Yeah. So I could see the school from the house. Yeah, yeah. So it was very convenient. And it's still yeah. open today. Yeah. You know? It's still open today. Yeah. But the funny thing about it was, I, I used to often wonder, uh, the school, the sign on the school outside was dashed over with cement or whatever, you know? Yeah. So you couldn't recognise the sign. Yeah. And I gather it was done because in the war years, they didn't want it uh, whatever, for whatever reason. So spies wouldn't know where they That's were. That's absolutely right, yeah. I suppose that has something to do with it. I see, yeah. You know? So it was actually cleaned off then, later on, about the 50s or that, you know? Yeah. They wanted to wait until the war was well settled yeah. and well over. Did you ever work in Ireland before you left? I did indeed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I worked for a few months on board Mamona, as yeah. it was called then. Yeah. You know, working back in the bog, you yeah. know, preparing for, I suppose, draining of the bog, really. Yeah. You know, and I went down there a couple of years ago. Myself and my wife took a, a train used to take us down the bog. Oh, yeah. Known yeah. as a loco. In Offaly, I think, wasn't it? No, this was in Mayo. Oh, was this in Mayo? This yeah. was in Mayo. Yeah. yeah, we had our own bog down there. Oh, I see. <laughs> Plenty of it. <laughs> but uh, we took a, a nostalgic trip down there. Yeah. You know? I didn't know they had a train on that bog. They did then, yeah, from Ballacorick. Yeah. That yeah. was before the power station yeah. was there. And it went right down the bog. And yeah. the, the power station grew from that, yeah. really, you know. Because did, you ever, did you ever see anything strange in the bog? Any sort of a... Uh, old remains of anything like a skeleton or anything. Well, no, we we we've often you you'd get the the bog oak. Yeah. When you when you dig out the turf, you'd get the bog oak, all right. But of course, where my mother comes from and where my mother came from is back overlooking the cage fields. Oh you, yeah. You've heard of the cage fields. Ah yeah yeah. It's one of the oldest habitations in Europe. Was yeah, there. Yeah. And they found the 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 the, the villages under the bog there. Yeah. To have them exposed. I don't know if you've ever been down there. No, I haven't. I've only read about it now. Yeah, well, it's well worth the visit. Mm-hmm. But uh, the village, the, gr- the bog grew over the village. It's 5,000 years old. Yeah? You know, yeah. yeah. One of the oldest habitations in yeah. Europe, Yeah, you know, was there. And it's all exposed. There's a man, he's a professor out in UCD there of archaeology, Seamus Caulfield. Yeah. He comes from the village there. Yeah. yeah. And his father was a teacher in the school. And uh, he thought it was something strange when yeah. he used to cut the turf or whatever. He'd come yeah. on this remains down underneath. Yeah. So I suppose, leading on from that, he sent his son to UCD to be an archaeologist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he studied it. And he found the village under the bog there and exposed it all, you know. Did they, they ever have... figure out what, what happened to the, to the people? Why did they leave or anything? Oh, I'm sure. The, 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 I think the climate 
yeah. changed everything. It's right overlooking the Atlantic, you see. I see, yeah. And I think the climate changed everything for people. Yeah. And they just moved on from there or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that's where my mother comes from there. That's where she came from. Yeah. And it's right actually up on, on the hill overlooking the, the mm-hmm. cage of fields. What sort of farming did you do? It was just subsistence? <laughs> Cow and a sheep? Exi- ex- exist- sort of existence, just. Existence, yeah. Just existence. Yeah. I, I go back there, you know, I suppose person, uh, people's roots, mm-hmm. I suppose, take them back. They, they yeah. like to go back where they, they, they came from or whatever. Yeah. Not that I ever lived there only on holidays, if you yeah. tell me. But my family comes from there. My mother's yeah. people came from there. And I like to go back there most times. I go down home when I have time. But the old homesteads are still there. Where my mother was brought up, the house is there. And it's just a cattle shed now or whatever. Do you feel sad when you say it? I do, and, and, and yet I, I see it, 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 a sense of satisfaction as well, of knowing your roots or whatever. Everybody yeah. doesn't have that privilege. No, no. You know? And the old house that was there for the generations before, it's just a stone building Yeah. where there was no plaster or anything on the mm-hmm. walls, just mm-hmm. a bare stone and a couple of flags outside the door. And I was often tempted to bring a flag home I and did. put it outside my own door. But I, I just never got around to it. Yeah. But it was very, very isolated. Yeah. You know? But it's, it's just to go back there and so, see how people lived, mm. you know, or it, as you say, existed. Yeah. You know? There was no what you'd call green fields. You didn't have any of that, you know? And what I, was it? All stones? <coughs> it's a bog, really. Bog, yeah? Yeah, bog land. But n- was there enough grass for a cow now? Well, the, the cow would pick all right, but she never had what you'd call any grass. The little bit of grass that was there in one little field, I suppose that was kept for the hay. Yeah. yeah. But I remember my uncle, uh, one of my earliest memories, uh, the grass that you'd grow on a ditch, right? He had a hook, and he'd get this hook. In fact, I picked up one yesterday. And he'd get the hook, and he'd pair... Like somebody having a crew cut, he would yeah. pair that dish, every bit of grass yeah, off it, yeah. with the hook and save it for the cows for the winter. Oh, yeah. So you can figure how tough an existence it was. So we got his hay off the long acre. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And when the, 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 you, you know all the grass that would go to waste in a normal yeah. countryside road? Oh, you do it. Nothing went to waste now. Yeah. Nothing went to waste. When you lived there, did you realise that you were poor, or was it afterwards you realised that? that well, because often people say they didn't know they were poor, so they I, didn't. I didn't live there. You know, we were never that poor. Yeah. I didn't live there. Yeah. That's where my my mother came from. Oh, I see. We didn't yeah. lived in a different place. Yeah. But I, 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 we used to just go back there on holidays. Yeah. yeah. You know, for a couple of weeks of the summer or whatever. Yeah. But I remember my grandmother. And she would load a creel. I know you know you've seen a creel. creel. You've probably seen it on a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> but she used to carry this creel herself. Yeah. There was two iron bands in it. Yeah. And she would go up and load the creel and carry it down to the house with the turf, mm-hmm. and her bare feet. You know, a real peasant woman, if you like, of the times. Yeah. yeah. Never saw what, what she never saw in her life, a car. Or, or what they said, the mail car used to come there, but she was too far away from Ballycastle <coughs> to see the mail car. She never actually saw a car. The, the, the only car that went in there, as I say, was the mail car, and that was about 10 or 12 miles away. So she never saw a car in her lifetime. But uh, yeah. things changed for my generation. 
My mother went to America when she was young, and my father and mother met in America. <coughs> so, and of course, that was during the Depression in America in the late 20s or whatever. <coughs> so they came home from America in the, in the in 36, Christmas of 36, and some old aunt of my father gave them a farm of land, and they settled there. Oh, so they were living on better land than that. Much better land. Oh, yeah. I, I would classify our land as good limestone land. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you a story, you know. My mother, of course, having lived in America, would have been critical and say, ah, oh, there's nothing around the west of Ireland, there's nothing here, you know. Which mm. there wasn't that time, let's face it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I remember being home on holidays from England in the early 50s, you know. And, uh, of course, I see two sides of the coin then, because I was working in England. You know, and the food wasn't great in England after the war and whatever in the early 50s. Or no, whatever. it was not, no. You know, as you probably know yourself. I don't remember. But I remember being home on holidays anyway, and uh, the food was great, you know, in the west of Ireland. Bacon and eggs. Had everything you've seen. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was thinking this up anyway, and I said, the next time Mother moans now about them, about the conditions in Ireland or whatever, or that the state of the art here, I want to have a talk with her. So anyway, come the afternoon, and anyway, he said, ah, sure, I suppose you're dying to get back again to England. There's nothing here. I said, what do you mean there's nothing here? I said, you have everything here. <coughs> what do you mean, she said, there's nothing here. I said, listen, now, we got up this morning. We got up this morning before we went to Mass, and you put on bacon and eggs there, and brown bread, all home-produced, right? Best of everything. Lunchtime came, <coughs> there was a chicken killed for this thing. That time it would be boiled, you'd have the soup and all the vegetables with mm -hmm. it and whatever. New potatoes, every damn thing. The evening time came, they had all fresh vegetables, carrots, <coughs> you name it, lettuce, beetroot, all home produced, and a wedge of salmon that size. They had everything there. And I said, if that wasn't enough, you washed it down with a glass of porcine, home produce, and the second one if you felt like it. And they had everything and they didn't know it. You know, everybody wasn't as lucky in Ireland. Yes. But, you know, that was, as I said, that was an ordinary country mm. house. So they had everything at that time. So going back from my grandmother's time, they'd have a lot of the things then to eat, all right, they'd have the salmon or whatever fresh salmon, but they didn't have any land to grow vegetables there or whatever, you know. But it depended, I suppose, on where you were living. In the cities in the 50s, like when we had that standard down in the west of Ireland, in the cities they didn't have that, you know. You had, a, you had a, as Frank McCourt referred to it, as the laners, and you had the tenements and whatever. Mm. Then people had a very, very tough time, yeah. you know, which we didn't have. Although we didn't, as my mother said, we had nothing, but they did have everything. Really. So the people in the country always had enough to eat? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even in wartime or whatever. Mm. There might be shorted tea. Of course, that was always the big, uh, the moan. There was no tea. And they didn't like coffee or whatever, you know. And of course, there was tea, less scarcity of tea after the war or whatever. But uh, they really had everything, really. And I remember as well, of course, there was a great scarcity of tobacco. We're talking about the woodbines earlier. There was a great scarcity of tobacco after the war. It was rationed, you see. <laughs> you couldn't get it. And I remember we, 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 we used to grow flax and beet and stuff like that on our land, which was fairly good. But uh, 
we, ha we had beet anyway, and that time when you send beet away to the factory, you'd get the beet pulp back. You see, you could feed it to the animals, the beet pulp. But I always remember one evening that we're waiting for the beet pulp from my father to bring the beet pulp from town. And there was this crowd of uh, people had uh, converged on the house. And what they were coming for is to get the beet pulp to smoke it. They actually rolled it up in bits of paper and pipes and everything and smoked it. They had no tobacco. Just yeah, it was a, a time when tobacco was scarce. And there was no tobacco, in fact, after the war when it was rationed. And uh, we had uh, beet, which we sent away to the factory to get it, to get it sold to the factory, in fact. But at that time, you'd get the beet pulp back to feed to the cattle or whatever. They had no use for it in the factory. So you got it back. Whatever you sent away, you got all those bags back. And a lot of people converged on the house anyway, waiting for the beet pulp to come back. And I didn't know what it had been as a child, didn't know what all this was about. But when the beet pulp came back anyway, they all dived into it, and they were smoking it and pipes and rolling it up and whatever. And it was a substitute for tobacco. And you know, I, I think it could be a good thing today, maybe, if people smoked that. I was asking my niece, who's a, who's a health inspector, a health and safety inspector down the west, I asked her about it, and she said it's perfectly legitimate to smoke it in the pub. So there you go. Now, is that a substitute for WD and H.O. Wills? Yeah, that's Jack Feeney. I was playing there earlier on when you come in. Yeah. That's, that's America from the 30s. He was, he was a tenor in America. He was very popular then. He yes. Was, and he, he was very, very popular. He, he broadcast. He, uh, yeah, I've heard about him on the radio, you know. Schaefer Beer. That's what he, he, he the crowd he worked for. Don't overwind it. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's hard to get the springs. <laughs> you get them easier than you get the ones that were thrown out. Yeah. I have plenty more to do with the sharpness of it. Yeah. That's great because that sounds really old. It does. This, this now, they, they used to talk here. They, 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 you know the old kitchens in America? Yeah. When they had prohibition there, they used to have the she beans and That's all right, that. Yeah. This is the type of music this is, really. Perfect. Let's have a look. It might just do you. It might, it might. And I'll put it on the big gramophone above. And uh, They are some machines, I have to say. They are just beautiful pieces. That's the Killy Hills band dance. Mm -hmm. And that's the geese and the bog. Now, it's accordion and banjo duet by the Flanagan brothers. Mm -hmm. This might be one of the records now to sing on, I'm not sure. But if it's not, I'll get another one. Every time I wind mine, I'm very careful <laughs> in case it goes spring and then the spring's gone. It might be just what you're looking for, it might be. But they were great entertainers, you see. 
lot of the Irish people that went that time, they were all musicians yes. coming from the... the, yeah. the That's the, right, they brought know, the music with them. They brought the music with them, absolutely, mm. yeah. And that was the early days of the Flanagan brothers. And there's a, yes. a lot more of them there at that time, you know. Yeah. They were brilliant. Yeah. It's know? funny how it comes through, their joyfulness, isn't it? Oh, it is, of course. I, I, that's mm. right. And you see, I think at that, at that year or two, you had the... the, the whatever spiritual band in America, whatever, you know, so you should have the she-beans, that have the house parties and whatever. Oh, yeah. Make their own drop, you see. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's a tin, what they call that? Is that tin? That's tin horn, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a tin, yeah. It's a tin horn cowboy. Yeah. Imagine to think that that's wood, that's a wooden horn. Yeah. Can you believe that? You think an awful look, lot of work went into look, it? Look at the work that's in that there. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look at the way that had to be done, look. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. I have a lovely one at home which I haven't in here. I have no room for it. It's a brass horn, but it's a French one. The oh, yeah, they the, knew about style, didn't they? The, the Pate Brothers. Oh, really? See, yeah. the, the Pate Brothers. Do you remember, do you remember the, the Pate, 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 Pate News, news and all yeah. that? That's where With that the came cock from. crowing, yeah. Yes, yeah. right. The cock and all is on it, yeah. Well, well it's on, he's actually on the radio, the car. He's on the gramophone, the cock. Yeah. But Pate's made a record which I don't think I have any here now, but I have a good few at home. And it actually starts in the middle and plays out. Oh, Did you ever see one? No. The, update, it's wor the worm is going the other way. The thing. Yeah, it's called the pate disc. Yeah. Right? And it plays from the middle out. Yeah. And it's not played with a needle at all, it's played with a jewel. So you needle it damage the record. Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of a soft wax and it's yeah. played yeah. with what's called a jewel. It's kind of a flat needle. Like a sapphire. <coughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. But uh, it's, it's, it's a patent and it's lovely, you know. Yeah. They didn't make them for long. They made the phonographs as well before the gramophone, you know. Well, do you know this now? This is a private uh, request. Do you know where I can get springs from? Because I've got one with a broken spring. Well, you see, <clears throat> I do, but it depends what sort of a gramophone it is. It's similar to that one. <coughs> Think of it to the portable. I might have a spring at home, yeah. do you? Yeah. I'll tell you something. I, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> you're not going to believe this. Yeah. But I have a friend down in Clontaffa, I was referring to the mailing of the Bozangs. Yeah. Mrs. Bozangs, she's a, she's a doctor of music. Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. But yeah. her husband, her husband, and I've known her for years with gramophones, he used to repair the springs and whatever. Yeah. But there, a couple of years ago, anyway, he got a blink and he had to have the bypass. Yeah. And he's not the best. Because there's a governor and everything spinning around. That's there. right. Yeah. So they moved house yeah. there earlier this year. Yeah. Last year, sorry, didn't the last year, the move from one part of Clontap to a smaller house. And she said to me, what are we going to do with all this stuff? I said, I'll tell you now what I'll do, Ethan. I'll put it into the auction room. Dump it, she said. I said, no, mm. but I'll put it into the auction room. Mm. And he had loads of springs and all sorts of parts Stars. of gramophones. Yes. <coughs> Boxes of them. Yeah. I took them out of Herman Wilkinson's out of yeah. Only a month ago, yeah. the, the first week in February. Yeah. Yeah. And they sold out there and they went boxes of lovely stuff there for six euros and seven euros oh, and Jesus. ten euros.